Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. Today we are playing for you an interview that we conducted with Shay Hoodman, the founder and CEO of gotquestions.org. If you do not know the ministry of gotquestions.org, where have you been? It is just a not on the internet that they haven't been on the internet objectively. Right. That's just yeah, true. Yeah, or at least at least not asking their Bible questions or spiritual <laughs> questions on the internet. Yeah. Uh, Got, Got Questions has been around for a long time, coming up on 20 years, and it is a tremendous ministry answering people's Bible questions. Over 673,000 Bible questions answered. That is a lot of questions. Yes. That's a lot of questions. Yes, it very much is. So we had a good conversation with Mr. Hoodman, who uh, we have Calvary connections yeah. with, our Bible college. Yeah. Yeah, which is a sweet thing. Yeah, so we encourage you to listen to this, and you, you hear this how uh, how Got Questions got started, and and some of the ins and outs of how the ministry works, and just encourage you to check out that ministry and become familiar with it. See you on the other side of the music. Neither Bethel nor Hillsong meet the biblical definition of a true church. Did you know that Jesus was born again? Is his view heretical? If it isn't, then there's no such thing as heresy. It's not just a black and white issue. There's an issue, there's a question of moderation and how damaging and how harmful things are. Not every act of divine revelation is equal in authority. Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement. I mean, it's, it's hard to even respond to that, isn't it? It's, it's mind-numbing, it's blasphemous. When the apostles use the word atonement, they do not depict an angry God. It's cryptic. It's watered down. It has nothing to do with the judicial aspect of the Christian gospel. The most important of all doctrines is that the Bible is the word of God. They have different ideas than you do. You don't have to automatically kick them out of the kingdom. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of GotQuestions.org, a website that seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical, applicable, and timely answers to spiritually related questions. GotQuestions.org has been around for nearly 20 years and has answered over 673,000 questions. He is a graduate of our alma mater, Calvary University, and just this year started the Got Questions podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Shay Hoodman, welcome to the podcast. Well, Ken, Jeremy, thank you for having me. Hey, it's our pleasure to have you on, and we want to kind of get our audience just to become a little bit familiar with you and with your ministry. As you said, I was a student at Calvary University and then Calvary Theological Seminary. Um, didn't feel a clear calling from God into any of the quote-unquote traditional forms of ministry, but I love technology and love to write, so just kind of put two and two together. Um, my wife and I were just praying, Lord, give me a ministry that would be the perfect fit for me. So we launched Got Questions in um, early 2002. I'm really, truly only thought it was going to be a hobby. This will be something fun we do in addition to whatever real ministry God calls us to. Well, little did we know Got Questions was the real ministry he was calling us to. So the last now nearly 20 years is the crazy, amazing story of watching God take what we thought was going to be a hobby and just exploding it into one of the most frequently visited Christian websites in the world. Um, last month, um, I think we had over 12 million visitors to the website just in one month. Um, <laughs> if you were to, if you were to tell us back then what got questions is now, we probably would have been too scared to, um, to launch it, but no, I'd be happy to answer any more specific questions you have about 
how things came to be. But now that's the basic gist of the story. Just we wanted to provide a place where people could come, ask any spiritually related question, and we would respond with a biblically based answer. And there's such a huge need for it. It just very grew and grew and grew. And so praise God for what he had in mind versus the small idea we had in mind. Yeah. So uh, Jeremy and I, we are both graduates from Calvary as you are. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't really have a uh, a real big calling in terms of the traditional ministry avenues that a lot of people will go to, especially when they're kind of going to a institution like Calvary, which was designed to train people for ministry. What was it that led you to Calvary in the first place that, that brought you there, knowing that you really didn't have a clear direction on where God was going to have you go? Sure. So let me give you like a condensed version of my testimony, because how that plays into Calvary. Um, yeah. It's really well. So um, I was raised with a believing mom, an unbelieving father. Um, so I was, as a child, I was dragged to church. Um, there was certain times where I know I understood parts of the gospel and knew the basic gist of it, but um, it wasn't until my late teens that um, my uncle, who was a minister, came and stayed with us for a week. And little did I know my mom had invited him for the specific purpose of evangelizing my mm. sister and I. Um, he shared the gospel. And I'm not 100% sure I accepted Christ as my Savior then, but very soon thereafter, the one Christian friend I had kept inviting me to youth group and I decided to go and the youth pastor really took me under his wing, started discipling me. And I remember one night after youth group that I, I just, before I went to bed, just got on my knees, prayed to receive Christ. And I knew at that point, I definitely understood the gospel and had trusted in Christ. Could it have happened earlier in my life? Sure. But it definitely had happened by then. Well, that youth pastor was a graduate of the Citadel which eventually merged and became part of Calvary. So he, um, through discipling me, was very emphasized, you need to go to a, a Bible college. I really believe God's calling you to some sort of full-time ministry. I was like, ah, no, he's not. I'm going to be a computer programmer or something else like that. Well, eventually, um, again, long story short, God got a hold of my heart, changed my mind and changed my direction in life. And um, I already had a good friend who was going to Calvary. So even though I visited a couple other schools, um, God called me to Calvary. And looking back, I mean, my undergrad was in biblical studies. My master's degree was in Christian theology, which are the kind of the two degrees you take if you have no idea what you're going <laughs> to use them for. But now looking back, I mean, really, honestly, it was perfect training for what I do now. So it provided me with a great background. And um, because I took every Bible class and every theology class the school offered, and that's perfect preparation for what we do here at Got Questions. So when you started the site as what you thought was going to be a hobby, what did you think that hobby was going to be? Just writing shorter articles to frequently ask questions about the Christian life? Was that kind of the goal? So yeah, I mean, originally, when we first launched it, Got Questions was a one-page website. The homepage just had a form where people could just submit a question. <laughs> and that was really our grand vision was just, hey, people can come ask questions. We'll answer them. Well, hmm. obviously a few months in, we're now getting 30, 40 questions a day, starting to see the same questions over and over and over again. Well, Hey, maybe we should start an FAQ hmm. on the website. So then that's when we started publishing the answers we written, wrote on the website. And then oh, maybe we should preemptively 
have some of these articles so that when we do get asked this question, we already have a standard response rather than having to answer it over and over and over again. So that's what, once we launched the FAQs, people started finding us through search, through the multitude of search engines there were back then. Hmm. Um, that's when the site really, really started to grow up is now more and more people were just finding it through searching for things or they'd ask us the question really liked our answer. So they would come back hmm. again and again. So yeah, the original vision, seriously, just like a one page website with the ask a question form on the homepage. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I, I got saved in 2006 and it was probably 2004, maybe 2005 when I first heard of got questions. And I remember it being an email type exchange that happened there where I, someone at my school, I guess, let me know about this website where you could go and ask a question. I filled out the forum and I remember getting some sort of response back, I guess, through email. And um, that was my first exposure to the site. Mm -hmm. And then as I was coming to know the Lord, I had more and more interaction with got questions and then going to Calvary a few years after becoming a believer, finding out, Hey, the, the guy that started the site went here and learning what doctrine and more and more about doctrine and theology, finding out, Oh, got questions really aligns with where I am, uh, doctrinally in these questions. This is a, an incredibly trustworthy site, um, where we, I can refer people. Um, that's been just amazing. I've used it in ministry the, the whole time I've been in ministry. I actually use it in the bio on my website where I define my points of secondary doctrine. Every article is linked to a got questions article because it just sums everything up so well. And I know that Ken, at one point you helped answer questions for the website too, didn't you? Yeah. So if you don't mind, tell us, even just take us through some of the uh, evolution of how you guys have, have answered questions. Cause I think at some, at one point, it's, I'm not sure if it's set up like this right now, but you had teams of writers and volunteer writers that would answer questions. Mm -hmm. Cause I imagine it could just got to a volume where you couldn't just answer them all by yourself. Uh, yeah, for sure. So the original question and answer team was my wife and I, so my mm -hmm. wife, Melissa is also a graduate of Calvary. And um, we both had full-time jobs. We'd work those all day long and come home, break out my computer and her laptop and spend the whole evening answering questions. Wow. But eventually got to the point that we can't handle this. So I started contacting friends I knew from Calvary. Say, hey, here's what we're doing and interested in helping us. So we started building up the volunteer team. Um, so now we have um, over 250 people on our volunteer question answering team. And not all of those are active at the same time, but um, at least 200 probably are active and had some, and that's another thing that would have blowed our mind um, way back when, but we're, um, there's an application process where someone has to um, submit that um, they're in agreement with our statement of faith. Um, we asked them to share their testimony and then we asked them to answer a test question so that we can be gauge both their ability to answer a question biblically, but then also to, are they a good writer? Because we're looking to, answer questions in a high quality way. And then once a new writer comes on board, the first several questions they answer, we review very closely. And then ultimately if a writer reaches a certain level of point, we've had writers with us for approaching 18, 19 years now. Wow. And if they've never answered a question poorly, well, some of them we can just approve automatically, but it's our goal every, so if someone submits a question, comes into our database, we either answer it ourselves or assign it to a writer. It comes back into the database. So we review the answer. 
Hey everyone, this is Ken jumping in real quick. We had some technical difficulties with this episode and we had the internet cutting out. So part of Shay's answer got cut off right as he was explaining how the process of everything works. So we apologize for that, but we were able to salvage the rest of the recording. And so we're happy to play the rest of it for you now. So, uh, yeah, something I've noticed in the, the videos that got question has been putting out over the last few years is how, um, I guess approachable everything is as it's presented in those in those uh, videos when there's a question being answered that the answer is dogmatic when it needs to be dogmatic or it's a little more open-handed when uh, that's allowable. Um, have you noticed perhaps any sorts of trends <laughs> through the years as you've been getting more and more questions? I think what the number you found, Ken, was over 673,000 questions. That's what I read at the beginning, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's... A lot of stinking questions. Have you found like any type of, of patterns in those ways where um, people are asking the same things over and over again in certain areas or the types of people who are asking the questions, believers, non-believers or otherwise? Yeah. So just real quickly about video. Um, so YouTube is the number two search engine in the world after Google. So yeah, several years ago, we really launched our, our YouTube channel and starting to get um, more and more for articles recorded into video format. So we've got Nelson, who the one I think you're referring to um, does the more like this, a person just talking to you type videos. Yeah. And then we have two others that are a little more animated. So yeah, I think we're over 600 videos now, but hmm. we're approaching 8,000 articles. So the video ministry has a long way to go, but it's, hmm. um, it's hugely important, especially younger people definitely prefer video content over having to read or even listen right. to content. So it's a huge part of the ministry, but type of questions. It's interesting. Every month I go through and create a, what were the top 20 articles from the previous month? And it's amazing how much overlap there is. It's not mm. that different from how it was 15 years ago. Um, I, we see a bigger difference in like seasonal stuff. I see around Christmas and Easter. You could just guess the type of questions we receive. Um, and then um, world events are huge drivers. Anytime there's a big natural disaster somewhere in the world, hmm. that question will become huge. Um, any sort of tragedy that happens anywhere, or even the past two years, as you can imagine, lots of questions about why does God allow evil? Why would God allow COVID-19? Um, do I have to submit to the government? Um, what's the difference between hmm. faith and um, seeking medical treatment? I mean, all the questions. Oh, those I'm are sure all real easy about, questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is the is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard all these questions just yeah. from people you've dealt with. I mean, stuff that we never thought, even a couple of years ago, we'd ever be answering these type of questions. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it's big. But um, overall, if there's a trend, I think there's more Christians who are asking questions that in a sense they really shouldn't be asking in the sense that mm. a lot more Christians like doubting some of these issues or even more skeptics. Thankfully, we still, the vast majority of people who come to got questions are people who genuinely want to know what we say on this, but there's definitely a trend in more people asking questions are why should I believe that God exists? Um, was Jesus really resurrected? So questions involving like mm. the core truths of the Christian faith, rather than early on, it was definitely more, what does the Bible say about this? Or what about this issue? Or 
um, how can I trust God in this? And hmm. So a little bit more on the skeptical side now than before, but overall, I mean, there's a verse that says, um, no temptation is taken you except it's common to man. And I, a paraphrase version of no question is taken you except what is common to man. Hmm. The questions we get now are the same questions we got 20 years ago. And hmm. even, um, I haven't talked about this yet, but got questions is translated into around 180 languages wow. and those languages, some of them, people can actually submit questions. And I always ask the translator, the person running the Q and a for that language, are, are the questions, what are some of the top 20 questions you get? And usually 10 to 15 of them are the same as English. Hmm. It's really interesting to see is that wow. we kind of all have the same questions to an extent, but obviously there's different culture, cultural issues that will drive different questions in other countries or parts of the world. That does make me wonder, uh, demographics. What, what about, I don't know, just the general like census data demographics, uh, for your website, ages, male, female countries. I mean, is there, uh, any kind of dominating demographic that visits the website? So, um, we can base this on, um, we use Google analytics for our web stats. And so they will provide that data, but to an extent, it's an educated guess from them. I think it's probably reasonably accurate. Um, um, approximately 60% of our traffic comes from outside the United States. That's, wow. that's, that's huge. And that's driven by so many translations to so many different languages. Um, there's slightly more males than females. I think it's like 55, 45 age um, skews um, younger, but I mean, so like 20 to 30 and 30 to 40 will be our biggest two groups, but then after that 60 to 70. So it's not, it's a pretty widespread. Um, age yeah. 40 to 60 just stops caring, I guess, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> As they get closer to death, they start caring again. <laughs> and, and fewer things I really need to know at this point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Got stuff to deal with. Yeah. Yep. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm curious, uh, and there may not be even a way to even know the answer to this question, but you mentioned that a lot of the questions are becoming almost more from a more skeptical point of view rather than from people just wanting to know what the Bible says on a particular issue. Do you think that there's a, that, that is a more of a reflection of, of an overall shift in the culture, or do you think that's more because Got Questions is actually just reaching a broader uh, portion of the um, you know, of the population, it's just reaching its, 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 uh, its influence is beginning to spread into different areas. And, and again, there may not be a way to even know the answer to that question, but do you have any kind of sense of that at all? I think that's an excellent question. And so 90% of our traffic comes through search. So people go into Google or whatever other search engine and just searching for something. So that obviously opens you up to all sorts of people from different perspectives. Um, but it's not, even people who aren't Christians will occasionally search for terms of a spiritual nature. Um, so it's not just Christians who've been using Got Questions for 15 years. You come back to the site again and again, it's people just going to Google and searching for my father just died. What happened? Is there, is there life after death hmm. sort of question? So hmm. um, the more traffic that comes from the search engines rather than specifically people who are already believers and coming back from more and more that will skew the question. But like you said, it's, it's hard to tell because again, the vast majority are at least 
open to answers from a biblical perspective, or they they wouldn't be coming to our site. Because I mean, the, the name got questions is non-threatening, and we specifically did it that way. We didn't want Jesus has the answer.com or something like that, because we didn't want anything that would turn away a seeker. If you thought that's some weird religious site, but once you get to the site, it becomes very, very clear that yeah. who we are and what we do. Yeah. I, I tell people anytime they want to search a given topic, just Google search, whatever the topic is, and then just type got questions after it and yeah. they'll find an article on it. So that's usually my advice to people. Yeah. I'm curious now as, as we think about just kind of how got questions has evolved over the years and, and how, um, the Lord has just grown this ministry what would you say would be some of the more unique challenges that you've had to face along the way and, and how you've been able to address those? Hmm. Unique challenges. Um, the unique challenge of the day. That could be a new, <laughs> a new page on the site. Um, wow. A lot of people will ask me, um, has your theology changed at all since your time at Calvary? Um, and I'd say the answer is no, but I've become softer on a lot of issues just from the nature of the, the beast. And in Bible college and seminary, generally you're taught you have that school's perspective like pounded into you, which is really good because you need to have that solid foundation when you go out into ministry. But then when you start being exposed to other viewpoints and actually hearing it from someone who holds that viewpoint, it becomes a little different. So I'm less dogmatic on a lot of issues. And to me, that's a challenge because I don't want God questions to be wishy-washy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't want us to take such strong stands on non-essential issues that it, it turns people away. Yeah. And I'm still struggling with some issues. Just for example, on the, on our podcast, I had a interviewed a prominent young earth creationist and actually this morning interviewed a a guy who's a, an old earth creationist and as a young earth creationist ministry, obviously lean strongly towards that perspective, but I fully believe that you can be an old earth creationist and still know Christ and still hold to all the essentials of the faith. And I don't like the animosity that seems to come from both sides of the camp. So I'm like, how do we hmm. present, this is what the, the plain reading of scripture teaches but you don't necessarily have to believe that in order to be a follower of Christ. So it's one of those things. And of course, where we get accused of being, wish, you need to take a stronger stance on this or that. And um, we get the, the hobby horse people who will take something like, um, who are the sons of God and daughters of men in Genesis 6 and turn that into, well. <laughs> That's the litmus test of whether you're orthodox yeah, or not. <laughs> since you believe that they were actually fallen angels, I can no longer trust anything your site says. And I'm like, really? Is, is that, that's the, um, yeah, that's the line for you. Um, mm. so it's the, that's always a unique challenge is that we want yeah. to teach what we believe to be the truth, but we don't want to be dogmatic where we don't have to be. We want to be, be very careful which hills we're willing to die on. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that plays in with our podcast very well. I mean, that's what our podcast is all about is separating primary from secondary doctrines and separating those from doubtful things, conscience issues. And I imagine 
navigating those issues is just getting more and more difficult, particularly as those cultural questions are popping up more and more these days with all the COVID stuff and the submitting to government question that you're getting. Um, we have Christians who are just all over the place on, on these issues. How have you approached those more contemporary cultural questions when you get those in? And that's, that's a struggle because I'm sure like you guys, I've got friends on both sides of the spectrum mm-hmm. and I've got friends who are taking extreme positions on both sides. I'm like, in my life, I don't think I've ever seen two people whom I would characterize both of them as godly Christ followers taking such uh, complete opposite viewpoints mm-hmm. on an issue like this. So, I mean, Thankfully, we're not focused on politics at all, but anytime we're asked a question that has a, at least a spiritual component, we'll provide an answer. So we try to like, look, let's uh, take the vaccine, for example. Um, the Bible doesn't say whether or not you should get a vaccine. So here are the principles um, that you can follow in order to try to make decisions. But ultimately, it's between you, God, your family, and your doctor, whether you get this vaccine. We don't believe it's the mark of the beast, but it, it doesn't fit what the Bible says the mark of the beast is. So please take that out of your, the process of making this decision, but it's still, it's a matter of wisdom and discernment rather than definitive right or wrong on this. So and that's, that's earned us the wishy-washy um, label more than anything else recently is just anytime you tell people here are the biblical principles. Now you, you need to make a decision based on the wisdom that God gives you rather than telling people what to do, all that makes us wishy-washy and so, so be it. Is it hard to write an article, especially of something of that nature, when you, when you're thinking about how it's going to be perceived, when you're thinking, okay, this is how, this is how a certain section or certain group of people are going to read this article. And so almost trying to get ahead of of the emails you're going to get or, or whatever their, their interpretation and kind, I don't know, is, is it hard knowing how much you have to clarify, how much you have to assert and how much you just leave up to the reader? Is that a challenge when you, when you write these? So every Friday is kind of my day to go through all the edits that, friendly people have suggested for the website, which is a lot. Um, and they usually filtered through one of our editors before they get to me um, and to make some changes. So the articles are constantly in a process of editing um, based on the questions we get or the follow-ups, huh? Oh, you explained this real well, but what about this? Oh, we should probably have said that. So you're writing the article. It's, I guess we're better at anticipating what the follow-up questions are going to be because we've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, we can't cover every possible follow-up question because that would just turn it into a thesis rather than an article. And we aim for answering the question as completely as necessary using as few words as possible. Hmm. It's kind of our mantra. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, if I say this, someone else is going to, so it's impossible to say anything, whether in writing or in public speaking, that couldn't be twisted if someone tries hard enough. So we try to make it as difficult as possible, but knowing that this article is probably going to need to be fixed at some point or improved upon, um, but it's a process. So yeah, I'm, I'm at a point now that I can be pretty selective in which articles I choose to write, but um, 
we've got really good writers who know how to avoid those type of things as much as possible. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's, um, go ahead. The the feedback you get from people like you're, you're mentioning the, the Nephilim in in Genesis (laughs) six or, you know, whatever issues they may be, um, have those issues made you cynical, more cynical about the Christian community at large as you've dealt with more and more of that as the website has grown and you've had more and more interactions and you get more and more feedback from all of that. Um, has there been a, a cynicism that has arisen in you in dealing with the Christian community at large and just how divided we are? Or have you had more positive experiences or, or, or where are you at in, yeah. in perceiving that within the Christian world? So. I would not say cynicism, sarcasm. Yes. Cynicism. <laughs> cynicism no. Um, yeah. When you're dealing with a lot of people, like either complaining about something or even making suggestions, it can get overwhelming, get over um, discouraging. But um, on our website, we have a, if you go to our about page, there's a link to our testimonials where it's people who've contacted us and submitted, oh, wow, you guys have helped me so much. So whenever I start to get discouraged, I can go back to those, mm. read a few, or even have a few new ones to come in, and that will relight the fire, so to speak. Of, okay, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, I pray against cynicism, but I, I don't want to get there. Um, I'm very aware of how divided the Christian community can become, and um, trying to have a positive impact on that and helping people to pick their battles, so to speak. Um, but it, it can definitely be discouraging at times. And yeah. especially the probably what gets to me the most aside from people believing false doctrine, which is way worse, but the people who will make a very unimportant issue, the, mm. that's what they're most, most concerned about. Like just real quickly, several years I had a guy who was absolutely convinced that Lazarus was this disciple whom Jesus loved and the author of the gospel of John. And I'd never heard that before. So I kind of emailed back and forth him a few times, listened to him. I was like, I definitely don't believe that, but I can see maybe how you got there. And he was like, well, I'm, I guess you're not really a Christian if you're not willing to accept the clear teaching of God's word. I'm like, Whoa. Wow. I mean, yeah, just even taking a very weird minority position. Yeah. Um, And making that the most important issue is just like, Lord, please help me to never go there. Yeah. Um, Amen. To hold on to the core doctrines of the faith firmly, but to everything else, um, I I would rather um, lose an argument than lose an opportunity to minister to someone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a, there's a few, I'm, I'm hesitant to call them ministries. Um, but a few places of the web out there where you've, uh, you've landed on some lists of false teachers. <laughs> and, uh, I was watching a YouTube video a while back of an individual that, uh, got questions, made it into a list of the top 10 internet websites that you should delete and never go back to ever again. And, and all these things, it's like, wow, man, got questions like like got questions is 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 as um i don't know i think it's a very charitable website you know that that really seeks to yeah trustworthy yeah. and charitable in how you answer questions and things and 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 yeah it's just it's just crazy to see 
how extreme some camps can be about yeah, just as they interact with your material. Yeah. So, so uh, hold on one second. So, <laughs> so one of one of the sites you're referring to, um, I've won the Skull and Crossbones Award. So one of our employees made this handy little plaque, <laughs> Skull and Crossbones Award. Shay Hudman of GotQuestions.org. And wow. So, if Ken, if you would send me the link to that video, because I don't know if I've seen that one, but sure. No, there are several ministries out there that um, have self-proclaimed themselves to be the official watchdog of all things mm -hmm. in Christian theology and have labeled got questions or me as heretics and people write in and say, I thought I could trust you guys. It's like, okay, go back and read the article and see what they label us as heretics for. And the two biggest ones that people report um, we're a heretic because we believe in eternal security, um, the Trinity and that, um, um, eternality and eternality of hell. And I, one of them, I think is even our view of repentance is too soft. So, mm -hmm. and according to all of Christian history and theology, they're the heretics if they're denying the, the <laughs> Trinity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could say all the others are maybe negotiable things, but, um, yeah, you need to look, examine the people who are making these accusations before you just mm -hmm. um, accept what they're having to say. But no, those are, those can be discouraging at the same time. But I mean, Hey, if you look at like the list of people, other people they've condemned. And to me, that's like a um, hall of fame of some of my favorite preachers and teachers. So hey, anytime I'm on the same list with like Charles Wendell, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, one of the more recent ministry editions uh, of Got Questions has been the Got Questions podcast, which is available mm -hmm. anywhere people want to listen to their podcast. Uh, you can look that up and find the Got Questions podcast. How did that podcast come to be a, a part of the ministry there? And, and what's the goal with the podcast? So, yeah. So um, I'd say over the past 10 years, we received more requests for a podcast than any other aspect of the ministry that we weren't currently doing. Hmm. Um, I've never been a big podcast listener because it's a lack of time for, for no other excuse than that. Um, so I didn't really pursue that, but I mean, seriously, once you get like the thousandth request, it's like, Hey, you guys have all this great content. You should do a podcast and it's going out looking. It's like, well, it's a lot of really good podcasters. I don't really find any that are doing exactly what we kind of like the got questions to be just, okay, let's take some of the top questions we get and just approach it from a, a little more in-depth perspective than we can in a, in a short article. So launched it earlier this year, um, probably about two thirds of the episodes are me and a couple of other employees just discussing one of our top questions, um, but also started to do some interviews of prominent Christian leaders, either about a book they've released or an issue that they're particularly an expert on. And yet it was, um, our listenership's been growing, get a lot of really good feedback from it. But um, so yeah, it's very complimentary to what we're doing. I mean, we've got the articles, we've got videos, we've got audios, we've got translations, but anywhere where people are searching for truth, spiritual truth online, we want to be there. And there's a lot of people who do that with podcasts. So mm -hmm. it seemed like 
it took God a while to kind of break through my thick skull. It convinced me that we needed to do this because um, anything we want to do, we want to do with a certain amount of excellence and expertise and then finding out, wow, it's, it's really not that hard to do. Um, get good microphone, good camera. Um, and then just have a passion for what you're talking about. That's really all that it, it takes. Obviously you can go, go big um, and quality of production and so forth. But yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I've, if you watch episode number one and op- we're going to launch, I think 48 next month or next week, uh, hopefully we've gotten better at it, but no, it's just yeah, another avenue to try to provide biblical answers to spiritually related questions. So you started off with a single page website with just an email form. Mm -hmm. You started adding articles. You've accumulated now thousands of articles. You started doing video a few years ago. You got hundreds of videos. You started doing a podcast. You're coming up on 50 podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. What's next? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Wherever the internet goes, whatever direction technology Mm -hmm. takes, we want to be there. Um, Obviously, we've got apps for iPhone and Android, um, maybe even a couple of years ago, once the Alexa, the Google home devices started becoming big, we started looking at, okay, how do we get sort of an app for those devices? So on Alexa, you can actually install a got questions app on it and have it, her read you answers from got questions rather than just doing searches at Google. So stuff like that. It's like, how are people searching for truth and how can we be there? Um, so yeah, I honestly, right now we're doing everything we think we need to be, but that doesn't mean that next week God could reveal to us, uh, you need to be here too. And so we try to be sensitive to that. And our number one prayer request is always just for wisdom, wisdom, in both how to answer the questions, but then also how to leverage the good content God questions already has and reach a new audience with that, um, so whether that's a, a new social media portal or, or what, um, we just try to keep our finger on the pulse of technology and find ways to be there if we think it would be a worthwhile investment of our time. Now, something that hasn't come up yet, but I'd be remiss if we uh, didn't talk about this. You've mentioned, you know, you've got your office there, you've got employees. Mm-hmm. How does Got Questions financially do all of this? How, <laughs> how, can, people, how can people be a part of keeping got questions going into the future. Sure thing. Um, I think it was about six months after we launched the site, someone emailed us and said, Hey, I've, I think you guys have answered like 65 questions for me that I've never really found good answers to. And you guys have done a great job. I'd like to make a donation. Are you guys tax deductible? And I was like, well, I remember literally hollering out to my wife. It's like, Hey, Melissa, someone wants us to give us money to run got questions and it seriously had never crossed my mind this would be something like that so from there we go through the whole 501c3 nonprofit registration establish a board of directors um and then now um 20 years later i mean it's amazing to see how many people truly have just come to the website have been encouraged by it have their questions answered been built up in their faith um, and decide they want to donate as a result. So yeah, we're funded approximately 80% through donations and another 20% through other Christian ministries we allow to advertise on the website. 
So you'll see ads for Compassion International, um, Logos Bible Software, um, Dallas Seminary, and occasional other ones mixed in there. So yeah, just, if we can promote another ministry or cause, we can wholeheartedly endorse and also bring in a little more money for the ministry. We're happy to do that. But primarily it's donations and vast majority of those are small donors who just love what Got Questions is and how we've helped them and want to give as a result. And people can donate at gotquestions.org on the website. They'll see a donate tab. Yes, they will. And of course, on that page, you can donate to the mail and um, so forth. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Well, Shay, we thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for uh, your all of your work and, and your whole team. We really appreciate this. Gotquestions.org has been an invaluable ministry. It's been very helpful for me personally. And like Jeremy has said, I've shared it with, with many, many people as well. So we encourage our listeners, if you've never used Got Questions, we encourage you. Hey, this is a f- fantastic resource that is available for you. And check it out and, and get uh, get your Bible questions answered. And also check out the Got Questions podcast. But Shay, we do thank you again for coming on the show today. Ken, Jeremy, thank you for having me.